We're so glad that you're taking time to listen to this week's message from Bethel Worship Center. Uh, we pray that it blesses you wherever you are in your faith journey. Uh, we do want to let you know that we are open. Our campus is open. Uh, we invite you to go to bwccamden.com. Uh, you can find out everything that we're offering right now at this time and in this season. So make sure to, to, to go there and find the ways that you can stay up to date with everything happening at Bethel Worship Center. But again, uh, wherever you are in your faith journey, whether you are uh, exploring more about faith, learning who Jesus is, learning about God, uh, you're new in your walk with Jesus Christ, or you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, we pray that today's message blesses you, it encourages you, it equips you. So God bless you. Thank you again for taking part. Uh, if you were not aware, this is actually a very important day in the uh, church's calendar. Uh, this is the day of Pentecost. This is the day that we celebrate the some call it the birthday of the church. This was the day that the Holy Spirit descended upon those disciples. We'll read it in just a moment here. And the church was born at that moment uh, in time. And, and so uh, last week I talked about the fact that God has called us to continue to be those who dream. Uh, to not allow the, the muck and the mire of this life to steal our joy, our peace, everything that we have. But, uh, but if we have lost our dream, we can dream again in Jesus. And today, as we talk about Pentecost and what happened at that time, what is still, please know we are still living in the day of Pentecost, okay? Uh, that God is still moving in our, in our world and in our lives. And uh, today I want to talk with you what, what the dream of Pentecost is and, and what it should be in our lives and for us as a body of believers. So today, uh, I hope this is all right. In a Christian church, we're going to read a lot of scripture. A lot of scripture verses, okay? And so, and, and after much pleading from my wife and my family, I have the giant print uh, Bible here so that uh, I can see. Isn't that awesome? So here we go. Acts chapter 2, uh, beginning is verse 1. It says, it, you know, I encourage you to write down these verses if you have some way, shape, or form, and you want to go back and study them during this week because we're going to be, sh- you, you should have uh, everything you need to know uh, about the Holy Spirit's impact and, and what he does in our lives after this time together. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm. And it filled the, uh, the uh, house where they were sitting. And there, what, what was looked like flames of tongues of fire, appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them that ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered and perplexed and amazed to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They, they were completely amazed. They said, how can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee. Why is that important? Because they viewed Galilee, Galilean people as unlearned and uh, not very wise. Not, they, they didn't think very much about them. But guess what we know in the kingdom of God? Uh, things are often upside down, right? Uh, he, 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 could, he will choose to use uh, anybody and everybody to impact our world with the love of Jesus Christ. He said, yet we hear them speaking uh, in our own languages. Here are some Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, uh, Phygra, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas around Libya, around Cyrene, 
visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We all hear these people speaking their, uh, in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. That's what our mouth needs to be doing as well. And they stood and they were amazed and perplexed. And then we know that pre, uh, uh, Peter preaches the first gospel message there. And he, uh, in verse 37, he ends with these words. Peter's words, it said, they pierced their heart. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? And Peter replied, and this is the same gospel message that we preach today. Each of you must repent of your sins. Have you repented of your sins and given that to Jesus? Repent of your sins and turn to God. All right? That is, that is literally, when you come to Jesus, there is no turning back. It is a complete 180. When I was a young preacher, I accidentally said, well, you, you need to follow God and do a 360. And someone explained to me afterwards, you're right back at the same place where you were again if you do a 360. No, you want to do a 180. Okay. Uh, and he says, uh, he says, you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then he says this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? A gift. All right, two people. We'll, all right. This is the promise that is for you and your children and for those who are all from, who are far away. And guess who the far away people are? That is you and I today, right? All right. So this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is a, a, a Jewish festival, 50 weeks, that uh, on this day the Lord decided that this would be the moment in time when everything would change. When there would be a new dream uh, for God's people. This, the, 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 the dream that uh, Peter preached right there, that salvation is for everybody. We can all repent of our sins all over the globe, all over the world. Today, people are giving their life to Jesus Christ. Jesus came not just to, uh, he came to change us and to transform us and to make us a reflection of him, and this is the fulfillment of the new covenant. This is the day when everything changed, uh, when this dream became true. God with us has now become God in us, and this coming of the Holy Spirit was promised by Jesus in John chapter fourteen, fifteen through seventeen. And I feel sorry for the uh, computer person today because there is a lot. He says, "If you love me, obey my commandments." And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another like me, which is the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. And verse 17 says, he is the whom? The Holy Spirit, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. Today I ask you one request. Every day of your life, be looking for his movement uh, in your life and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives was it lives with you. And he now later will be where in you, the spirit of God living within our hearts uh, and in our lives. Uh, the the in Acts chapter one, five, the resurrected Jesus Christ speaks to those who are around him. And he says that today I want uh, that the. Uh, he says that the Holy Spirit is coming. Uh, you have been baptized, but now you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I baptize you. John baptized with water. A few days I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And then uh, in, in Acts, uh, here's, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to be like those in Acts chapter 19 and 2 who said, We have not heard that there is a 
Holy Spirit. Essentially, there are two ways that people, uh, uh, believers in Jesus, view uh, the Holy Spirit in their lives. There are those who are called cessationists, and they believe that the that the Holy Spirit came for this moment in time. And once the Bible was was given to us, there was no more need for miracles, no more need for these mighty workings and things like that. Uh, all this kind of stuff, you know. So everything ceased at that moment in time. And then there are those, and I'll go ahead and tell you, you if you haven't figured it out, I'm in this camp as well. There are those who are called uh, continuous, right? There are those who believe that the works of the Holy Spirit are still continuing to this day. That we are still living in the Acts of Apostles and uh, the Acts of uh, the Acts of the Possible. That's not what I meant to say. The Acts of the Apostles, but it's true. We live in a place where we believe what God's Word said that through Him all things are possible, and there is nothing impossible with God. That's why we shared a couple weeks ago about walking by faith, living by faith. That it, that is because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, we often use uh, uh, terminology in regards to the Holy Spirit that does not line up with Scripture. Uh, He has been uh, misrepresented uh, many times. I'm going to get it out uh, at some point in time. And, you know, and there's always a danger of traditions and things like that that can come in. And, uh, and I've been warning you for a long time about we don't, we don't want a modified gospel. Uh, we don't want to blend the gospel. We don't put anything in front of church. We don't put anything in front of Christian, those type things. I, I saw uh, two things here recently uh, in my travels. I saw uh, someone proclaim that their church was a patriot church. I want you to know there's no such thing. There is only the church, the church, the global church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he died for. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we, you know, you're going to see more and more of this blending, more and more of this modification. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I actually saw a someone who had a cross in their yard and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we've given our life to Jesus Christ, but on that cross, they had put uh, Christmas tree lights all over it. Okay. Maybe, maybe, I, you know, that's where Jesus died for me. I don't know if, if I really enjoy that, but they also had put on there with those lights, their favorite college football team's jersey. Now, I know we all think God hears our prayers when we're praying for fourth and one. But as I read the scripture, I hope he's more concerned for the poor and the need and those who are who are who need to come to Jesus as Savior and Lord. So, you know, we we don't want to have a a blended gospel. We want to live like what was presented here in Acts chapter two, where people are being changed and transformed by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is not an it. All right. It is. He is a person. Uh, He is. He is a person who is eternal. He is holy. He is God. He is sent by the Father. He is omnipresent. He is omnipotent. And he is omniscient. He was, if you think about when you're reading the Bible, uh, he was there at the beginning of creation, right? He hovered over the waters. He was there at the birth of Jesus, literally uh, in that same type of situation as, as, uh, as, as Jesus was, uh, 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 the seed was planted uh, in Mary by the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. Uh, he, was, uh, he was there at the uh, uh, creation, at the baptism of Jesus, and, uh, and he, is, he is there with us now. We see throughout Scripture that uh, he can be lied to, he can be quenched, 
And for those uh, old, us old-timers in here, uh, a lot of times when you hear quenched, it's because, it, well, they quenched it if they just sang that verse one more time. Or if they just sang verse 3. Uh, verse 3 never got sang, right? Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, we no, when you read that quenching of the Holy Spirit, it's in it's in relationship with one another. That that's how we quench the Holy Spirit when we don't live in love in the love of Christ with one another. Uh, so he can be uh, the Holy Spirit has grieved, he's quenched, and he, we also see that he was lied to by uh, Ananias. And uh, we all know Romans eight twenty eight, right? That God works all things together for the good of them. But there's some verses that lead up to that. Uh, in verse 26, he talks about how uh, the Holy Spirit helps us when, you know, uh, when we, we don't know what to pray. He can pray through us through groanings all right, from the very depths of our soul. He, he says that he knows us in our weaknesses. And then there's this verse in Romans uh, eight twenty seven, where it talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what it does. He says, he who searches our heart, the he there is the Holy Spirit. What does he do? He searches our heart. He knows the mind of the Spirit. And look at this, folks. The Spirit intercedes for God's people. Isn't that awesome? Holy Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. As I read that verse, I want you to know that's where I want to live. <laughs> I don't want to live in, 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 with anything else. I want to live in that mindset or in that uh, re, uh, reality where Jesus is, re, uh, is uh, interceding for us according to the very will of God. If you believe that, I believe it will be transformative in your heart and in your thinking. And we know and then all things. So think about that. As we, we often just throw this verse out there, this is in the context of the Holy Spirit moving in our life. Because the Holy Spirit is moving in our life, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called him according to his purpose. Everybody still good? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to keep myself calm. All right. Let's go to the Bible here. Uh, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit manifests himself uh, in our uh, lives. So we'll begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning in verse 4. It says that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Holy Spirit is the source of them all. There are dis- different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who works in, does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift or a manifestation is given to each one of us so that we can be esteemed and valued by everyone as being super spiritual and uh, called prophet and prophetess and uh, all the other things out there. And I'm not saying there aren't those things, but uh, we don't look to be called those things. All right. You know, it says that this is done so that we can help each other. It is for the body of Christ to one. And then he, he lists some of the things. And then here's these things. These are not lifetime gifts, okay? For every believer, what I'm about to read to you, if you are open, God can use you at any moment in time to be able to speak to someone. It may be a one-time thing. It may be uh, multiple. But it, it, what the, the greatest qualification that we have in following the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit is availability. Saying, Lord, I am open to be used by you. So let's look at some of these things. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability uh, to give wise advice, wisdom. 
To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. What is special knowledge? It, mean, it means it's, there's no way this person could have known this other than if you may have experienced that sometime in your life where someone shared something with you, there was no way they could have known that. It was the Holy Spirit who was guiding that. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, doing someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. And still, to another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. It is the one and holy, uh, one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts based on how awesome we are. That's not what it says. Though. Once again, it's availability. It is the Spirit who distributes these gifts, and He decides which gift. Each person should have. So a question for us this morning as we are talking about the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. Not just talking about what happened on the day of Pentecost, but even today. Are we available in our hearts and in our lives? Are we willing to pray and to seek and to say to the Holy Spirit, I am available for you to speak through me if there is an opportunity where I can be shown as being an awesome leader and all that. No, where I can bless someone else with what God wants to speak into your lives. So those are what we call the manifestations. Of the Holy Spirit. Once again, it, it is uh, it, Romans eight twenty seven. It's His determination. The Spirit, the Spirit intercedes for us uh, in accordance to God's will. Now, let's go to Galatians chapter uh, five, verse sixteen through twenty five, where we get some more instruction on how we're to live this out. He says, "So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives." We say this: live by the Spirit. The NIV says. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Are we open to this today? Are we willing to pray that? Lord, guide my lives. He says, if we do that, then we won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How about that? We want to avoid sin? You know, so many times we try to overcome things by focusing so much on the thing that we need to overcome. I'm telling you, the scripture tells it another way. Focus upon Jesus and his truth and the Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden you will find that you are living victorious because that thing that used to hold you is now in the background of your life. He says, you won't crave what your sinful uh, nature uh, desires. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Has anybody ever been at this place in the moment, time in your life? It says, so you are, (coughs) they're constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out (coughs) your good. Good intentions that God has for your life. All right, let's continue on. It says, but when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the the results are very clear. And he gives us a picture of what these sinful nature things are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Aren't we thankful today that that is something that only existed in the Roman Empire? Where they were writing to in the Galatians. Aren't we thankful that uh, these things don't, uh, they, they don't plague our world anymore today? No, we, they, they bring confusion, pain, 
and heartache and, and trouble and in so many different set of ways. Here's some more. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. Uh, you know, we sorcery, that's way up over here. <laughs> and then we read hostility and quarreling. Well, that's kind of down here. No, nope, he's got them all in the list together, right? Selfish, uh, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, <clears throat> ambition rather, dissension, and division. Aren't you so thankful that we live in a world today where there's no more dissension and division? All right, we still see that today, right? All right, it says envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all the other sins like that. Let me tell you again, as I said before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But is there good news for us? Yes, let's continue reading on. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. This is where we want to live. The Holy Spirit's going to produce this, and He's going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think that he, the Holy Spirit gives us a desire to want to live in self-control. All right? Uh, he says, he said, and going back to that whole thing of focusing on the positive instead of the negative, here's the example. He says, there is no law against these things. If you are so busy with love, joy, peace, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, if you're so busy living all that out, guess what? You're not going to fall pray to any of the ten commandments. Uh, the, 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 you know, you're not going to steal. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to hurt your brother or sister. You're not going to, uh, you know, like we, we still have slavery in our world today. You're not going to participate in any of those kind of things that are out there. Why? Because your life is consumed with being led by the uh, Word of God, being led by the Holy Spirit. And He, in that Holy Spirit, begins to because of all the seed that is being planted in your life. When it used to be this reaction came out of you, all of a sudden now love comes, joy comes, peace comes, all the different fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And then there's two more here. He said, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the passions. They have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. What are we supposed to do with our sin? We don't play with it. We don't let it hang around. We don't put it in the closet. We crucify it. All right. We want it to die. And he says, uh, <clears throat> the, the last verse says, since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spar- spirits leading in every part of our lives. Notice he didn't just say on Sunday morning when the music's really good and we're enjoying it. All right, this is every, but look at, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. He wants to produce fruit in us that is full of love, joy, peace, and all those different things. And then we are called to live by the Spirit. Some translations actually give you kind of a, a, a you know, a, a dancing kind of imagery, you know, that you, you are in step with the Holy Spirit, I believe the NIV says there. And so we want to keep in step with Him where He goes. We go where uh, he leads, we lead. Where he says stop, we stop. All right, this is a picture. We, you see, the, you know, the dream of Pentecost is obviously what happened on that day when all of these nations came to know Jesus Christ. But the dream of Pentecost is the reality that you and I can live a transformed life where we're no longer consumed by the evil and by the things of this world. And we're not talking about being uh, uh, holier than that. We're talking about being transformed men and women who have given their life to Jesus Christ, where He is fo- the first focus of our life. And I guarantee 
guarantee you there is a world out there that needs to know that there are people who have a hunger and passion to live like that, to know that there is a better way than what we see in our world today. And this is made possible by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we pray together and we say, God, help us. Help us to do that. All right. Uh, the the uh, uh, Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, right? We know that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, all that kind of stuff. In Luke 11, in verse 11 13, at the end of that, talking about the uh, Lord's Prayer, he says these verses. He says, you fathers, if, you're, if your children ask for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? All right. Obviously, Jesus is over. He's exaggerating here. Nobody who is really... Uh, you'd have to be really evil to do something like that, right? Verse 12 says this, Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not, exclamation point. Then the next verse says, So if, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You want the Holy Spirit in your life? Ask for Him to be in your life and to be willing to follow you. I went, I've gone to uh, 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 two different schools and I've been all, I've been in services whatsoever. And, and with the Holy Spirit, we know in part, right? The scripture says, and here's the reality. I've had people say, you know, they, they, they argue about, uh, well, you're filled with the Holy Spirit here. You're filled with the Holy Spirit here. You're, you know, right here, we just heard, if you ask and receive, he will come into your life. He's there at salvation. All these different things are out there. Uh, Francis Chan makes a, a good point about that. He says, we missed the main point. We missed the point that the Holy Spirit is a gift to us to empower us to live righteous and to empower us to share his love with those around us, to share his love with the world that is in it, uh, in us. So the command is for us to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, be spirit filled. It says, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Francis Chan, once again, in this reading I had from him, he asked the question, why do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, it's the command of God. But number two, it's because we want to do what I just preached earlier. We want to bless others. It's not about us. It's about being a blessing. Being, uh, and it's also about being able to live holy and righteous in a way that we cannot do it in ourselves. Uh, <clears throat> we see uh, 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 in the... Uh, uh, in the book of Acts, there was a man named Simon the Sorcerer. You remember his story? He wanted to do what? He wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. What did Peter tell him? He wasn't very nice. He said, uh, may, may, may uh, you and your money peri- may your money perish with you. Now, Simon repented immediately and, you know, he, he was able to work things out there. But he was letting him know, this is the Holy Spirit is not for sale. He is a gift that is given to us. He is not someone that we are to, that we attempt to manipulate. He is someone that we follow in his steps according to the word of God. Amen. All right. So we, you know, we, God's, uh, the Holy Spirit, each one, first uh, Corinthians 12 and seven says each one, the manifestation of spirit is given for the common good. It is for everybody. And, and it's to edify the church. Is that our desire today? Do we want to see our brothers and sisters edified and, and encouraged in this building this morning? I heard, overheard conversations of encouraging words. That's who we are supposed to be as a part of the body of Christ. And, 
and, uh, and, 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 you know, people argue and they fixate on things in regards to the Holy Spirit. My desire today is to share from you what Scripture says, that the Holy Spirit is a gift that you should desire in your life. And if you will allow Him to move in you and through you and believe in you and recognize His moving, He will transform you individually. He'll transform us. And then He'll let us be an instrument of transformation to those around us as we follow Him. Uh, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is given as a gift so that we may be empowered to serve God, serve and bless others, live holy, and live righteous. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8, it says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have what? Love. I am a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Do you see? Once again, it's nothing if it's not led by the love of God. Let's go ahead. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And I put a big sign up that says, come and see me. You know, uh, if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am what? I am nothing. Then he tells us in verse three, that if I give my possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love. Once again, I gain nothing. And we know the rest. I, I, I just remind you, if you thought First Corinthians was just 13 was just for, uh, you know, Paul said, oh, you know, they're going to need something from weddings one day. Let me put this in here right here. No, this is actually written to a church body. This is how the church body is supposed to act with one another. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. We see a lot of that in our world today, don't we? A name calling. You've you've seen grown people using names. Uh, It's it's just shameful. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It's okay for conviction to come at any point in time for all of us. Uh, And uh, its love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with what? The truth. It always hopes. Love always trusts, love always uh, hopes, and, and love always protects, and love always perseveres. And then in verse 8, it finally says this. It says, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But love never fails. Just as on the day of Pentecost, we saw the coming of the Holy Spirit. We saw the dream come true and the church was born. <clears throat> and we see, uh, we see what takes place here. It says that the people were amazed and perplexed. Do you remember that? Amazed and perplexed. I have this question for myself and everybody that's in here. Are we still willing to be open to let God amaze us and perplex us? Are we still willing to have uh, that that kind of uh, childlike faith in him, that we are willing to trust him and to believe what his word says and to live it out uh, in our lives and uh, and change our mindset if it needs to be changed, change our heart if it needs to be changed. The Holy Spirit came. uh, one One of the great dreams of the Holy Spirit coming was that he came to bring reconciliation. All right. As you read the day of Pentecost, I read all of those different uh, nations that were there. A couple years ago, you may remember, I actually put them on the screen there. I already had enough on the screen, so I'll just read it for you. Today, all those nations that I read earlier, these are the nations today that were gathered there who were the first ones to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached by Peter for the first time. It was people from Lebanon, Iran, Persian Gulf, Iraq, 
Syria, Palestine, Israel, Turkey, Egypt, Kuwait, Asia, Arabs, Tripoli, Rome, Saudi Arabia, Libya. Those were who were gathered. I know a lot of times we visualize it, we think people who look like us were there, but <laughs> it was not. Uh, it was those from all these different nations. And guess what? Many of these nations right now are far from Christ. So we want to pray for all of them, right? When you, when you pray for the when you pray for our nation, we pray. I pray that God, that our nation would repent and give their life to Jesus. I pray that uh, people in Israel would come to uh, know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I pray that those who are in Palestine will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Those who are in Kuwait will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Those who are in Iran will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And guess what, as I've shared with you many times, because I just, it's just so incredible. The greatest, uh, the fastest rising church at this moment in time is the church in Iran. Notice how I biblically said that correct. Not the Iranian church, the church in Iran. Okay. Uh, and so we want to see that same kind of revival happening in all these uh, nations around the world. When we see this taking place, all of a sudden, all of these enemies were there gathered, worshiping the same God. <laughs> They were hearing the message of repentance and they were coming to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Is everybody still with me here? All right, because uh, uh, and Peter said, you know, to them in, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Scripture says this. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. The New King James Version said that we no longer, uh, we no longer regard anybody in regards to flesh. Guess what we do today? Our world's consumed with it, okay? We have to preach the gospel message that we are all created in the image of God. We have all sinned, and we can all find forgiveness and hope and joy and forgiveness in the love of Jesus Christ. And we also, if we have regarded someone through through that kind of prism, we repent and ask God to change us and transform us and give us a biblical understanding of the, the day of Pentecost was the dream that everybody could come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord and follow him. He says, he said, though once we regarded Christ in that way. Why? We were once sinners, right? And then Jesus came to save us, but we don't think that way any longer. All right, verse uh, uh, 17 and 18, it says, Therefore, if anyone is Christ, a new creation is come. The old is gone, the new is here. If you don't think that's possible for you today, I want you to know the enemy has lied to you. That is possible at this moment in time. You can pray it where you are right now. I'm tired of the old. I want it to be gone. I want the new life in Jesus Christ, and I give my life to you. The new is here. And then verse 18. Scripture says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. So we see a vertical, that's right, right? Vertical reconciliation. I was scared when I first started. Vertical uh, reconciliation between us and God. Now there's also this, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So now horizontally, all right, everybody my age that had a TV, you had to worry about horizontal and vertical, right? Uh, You know what I'm talking about. But vertically, we now can live in peace with one another. We can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those all over our uh, area in this region and all over the globe as well and proclaiming the one same message all over the world. Jesus loves you and has come to save you and change and transform your life. He has given us that ministry of reconciliation. And I'm going to go quickly here because uh, of time. Uh, in, in the book of Acts, we see 
a, a, we see the dream of Pentecost taking place in, a, in, a, in a, an event that happens between a guy named Peter and a guy named Cornelius. I'm going to go through this really quick. Uh, Cornelius was uh, a uh, he was the, he was a uh, a leader in the Italian regiment. So he wasn't just a regular dude, right? He is a big time leader, and uh, and he uh, Acts chapter ten verse two tells us a little bit about him. He said that uh, he gave generously to the poor, and it said that he prayed regularly to God. And then he says that uh, the scripture goes on to tell us that uh, he had an angelic vision. And once again, just like for him, a Gentile, it was the same for the Jews. Anybody that sees an angel, they're terrified. Okay. If anybody tells me they saw an angel, I want to know. How how long did it take you to wake back up? Okay. He says they were terrified. And so he he gets this, uh, in this vision, he is told to send for Peter, who is a Gentile. Please understand the Bible only recognizes two of those things, right? Jew and Gentile. In our world today, uh, we, we, uh, we follow, sadly, an Air, uh, a Darwinian uh, mindset that uh, says we are insignificant and we just happen to be random uh, here. But the gospel of Jesus Christ tells us, once again, every soul, every soul that is created... Is created in the image of God. All right, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. They, we are created in the image of God. And so Peter's on the roof praying. He's in a trance. He gets this, the reconciliation. And I want you to catch this. Reconciliation is happening because two folks are willing to pray. All right, if we're ever going to have reconciliation in our family relationship, or any kind of relationships are out there, we have to be people who are praying for that kind of reconciliation and have a heart of the Spirit for it. Peter sees a sheet with some animals on it. There's reptiles and birds, and he's told to go eat them. And he tells God, no, I'm not going to do it. I've never eaten anything unclean or pure. And in, in, uh, in chapter 10, in verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, don't you call impure what I have called pure. He's letting him know. This Gentile over here, this Roman over here, he's about to be your brother. In Christ Jesus. So we have this meeting that comes. I can't imagine how awkward it was for Peter as he walked with the Romans there. Hey, you know, what's been going on, guys? You know, you know. And he gets there. And there, there's a passage of Scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 20 and 22. If y'all don't mind, we've already read a ton. Let's read some more here. Acts chapter 20. Uh, it says, uh, they, they were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He was devout, God-fearing, well-respected. Holy angel instructed you to summon to his house so you could hear your message. Then he says, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day they went with them, accompanied with some brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. How about that? Cornelius wants everybody to hear what's about to take place. All right, that's the message of the gospel. Go tell everybody. As Peter entered the home, I love this right here. Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. And the next verse said, Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. All right. There is only one that we bow for. And that is our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Okay. We honor one another, but we do not worship any person. Right. And Peter, you just think if he had just thought of that was nothing insignificant. But the Holy Spirit moved in his heart to say, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not coming to you're not to come to find Jesus in me or through me. You're coming to find Jesus Himself. Okay, He says. So they told. They went inside where many others were assembled. 
And when the others heard this, they stopped objecting and they began praising God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege. What is the privilege that the Gentiles get? Once again, there's only two groups, Jew and Gentile. They are separated. The privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. I don't think I've ever done an altar call that way. I said, would you like the privilege of the, to come and repent of your sins today? So that you can have the privilege of receiving eternal life with Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep going here. It says, so I went, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. He says, Cornelius said, four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time. Three o'clock in the afternoon, suddenly a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayers have been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. God notices when we give and when we share. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter who's staying at the house of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. And he says, so I sent for you at once and all is, uh, and it was good of you to come. And now we are all here and we are waiting before God to hear the message of the Lord. The people heard it at the day of Pentecost. The next person that's going to hear it is a Gentile Italian regiment leader. And he is ready to hear the message of the Lord. Every time I open my Bible, I ought to have that kind of mindset. And verse 34 says this, he said, and then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows favoritism. No, God shows no favoritism. Church, this is a place for us to stand out and in this world that is filled with this vision to know that there can be reconciliation. Now we'll read these last four uh, uh, uh Well, no, we read those verses. I want to read chapter 11, uh, verse 1 through 3 and verse 18. Peter goes back home. And here's what happened. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Yes, they should be so excited, right? This other group heard about Jesus. Well, the next verse says, But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. And they said this, You entered into the home? You went into the home of a Gentile? And you ate with them? Exclamation, they said. Once again, they didn't get it yet. The dream of Pentecost was not just that we have the Holy Spirit living. It is that we get to live in reconciliation with one another. And then there there is uh, verse 18, where I want to read that, where the, uh, and I pray it's up there. All right. Well, I can tell you what it says. It says that they came together and they realized that God does not show favoritism. And they began to celebrate and rejoice that the Gentiles had come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I want to tell you today, we are still living in Pentecost. Let's stand together. We are still living in Pentecost. We are still living in the place where all things... I don't think the works of the Holy Spirit have ceased. I think they are still moving to this day. And I believe that God still wants to do it, fulfill the dream of reconciliation in this community as well. In our homes as well. In our world. In our nation. I believe He wants to do that today. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us 
to live holy and righteous, to empower us to be there. To, if, he has, if he needs to manifest something in, in a moment in time, we are available to say, yes, Lord, I will be your vessel at that moment in time. We want to be so filled with the Spirit that we live out love, joy, peace, gentleness, faith, self-control, all of those different things in our lives. The Holy Spirit has come so that we can find conviction when we start doing something we shouldn't do. All right, he comes to us. He convicts us to, in regards to righteousness. The Holy Spirit comes. And this song that we sang earlier about oceans, about stepping out. At this moment in time, I want to give you an opportunity to react to the message that is preached. You may have been one like from Acts 19. who said, I've never really heard the Holy Spirit discuss. But today, I want to say as we've seen here today, Lord, I'm stepping out. I, I, want to, I want to say I want to be guided by your presence, guided by your spirit. And I want to see the dream of empowerment in in my life by the presence of the Holy Spirit and I want to see the dream of us as believers in Jesus Christ becoming ministers of reconciliation to our world. We are, you know, we're, we're a, gr- a great group of people that are gathered here together. Well, imagine if we go out this week with a mindset being led by the Holy Spirit and having a heart that says, you know what? Everybody else is arguing. Everybody else is yelling. Everybody else is fussing. I'm going to be the one who's going to share the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Let's sing together. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com. Go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.